Welcome to the Unplugged Podcast, where we believe that if you can breathe, you can meditate. All of the answers lie within you, and that you are one meditation away from feeling 10 times better. Today, you'll hear from the best meditation instructors in the world, whose only intention is to help you experience the life-changing benefits of meditation. Hello and welcome to the Unplugged Podcast. Today I am so excited because I have my meditation muse with me. Her name is Lauren Ekstrom. And for those of you who have never meditated with her, although I find that hard to believe because she's all over the place with the Unplugged Meditation app and also on Beachbody, Lauren was the second teacher that I hired for Unplugged. I met her at a cafe. I was telling her about my idea before we even opened. And I asked her questions of what would teachers like? What do teachers not like? How should I behave? What should I do? I had no idea what I was doing when I first started this. But Lauren actually guided me because she has been a yogi for such a long time. She can walk into any room and make everyone feel calm and present just by not even saying anything her presence. And I'm so excited to have her on this podcast. Hi, Lauren. Oh, well, thank you for that beautiful introduction. I'm, I'm honored and so glad to be here with you and with everybody who's tuning in today. It's beautiful and it's true. It's a fact. Do you remember? Let's go back to that day when I met you at the cafe because I had a basketball coach who recommended you and said, you have to meet Lauren. What did you it was- It was such an amazing experience because I was a yoga teacher first and foremost, but meditation had been in my life longer than yoga had been in my life. And of course, for anybody who's familiar with the practices, the two, of course, go go hand in hand. They're in partnership with each other. But he was actually the person who kept asking me, please, can we meditate? Can we meditate? And growing up traditionally in these practices, there was something inside of me that was saying, no, I can't teach meditation. I haven't had a senior teacher tell me that it was okay or ordain me. I don't, I didn't even know if it was okay for me to just teach meditation, but he really pushed me because it was what he needed. And I realized, you know, who am I to say no to somebody who's asking something of me, it's not my place to say no. And that was really the primary practice that we had. And then you had this idea to open Unplug and you and I met and it was kismet. It was such a beautiful pathway forward because then you kind of ushered in this next phase for me in my own life and encouraging me even more deeply in that direction. And it's really it's really changed my life as well. Of course, the people who've practiced with the unplug app or on Beachbody, it's changed their lives. Mm-hmm. And remember we had um, Steve Ross come in and he did our first meditation teacher training where we, before I even opened up the studio, I had picked a bunch of teachers and we created this teacher training program and Steve taught it because he was teaching teacher training. And then there was another teacher in there Um, who did mindfulness-based stress reduction named Stephanie Goldstein. And Stephanie was like, that can't be the only training. We also need to have the more scientific side. So then we did the mindfulness-based stress reduction training before we even opened up the doors. And then we opened up the doors and realized people want 
more. They want meditation with a message. They want to walk into a room and feel better when they walk out of the room. They wanted like the sound baths and the guided imagery and the aromatherapy and all the stuff I said. And you remember me saying this, I'm never going to do. This is going to just be really simple, really easy and really fun. It will be joyful for the rest of my life to make fun of you for how woo-woo you, you ultimately became. Because when we first were opening, it was very sort of in the box of mindfulness. And there were not restrictions, but certainly parameters that we were looking to follow that come from an important place, a place of wanting to help facilitate a safe environment for people, wanting to link into the science and the things that have been researched. But, you know, for me as a yoga teacher as well, there's no question that people want to be taken on a journey. And whether we do that through storytelling or the intention of setting a particular theme for the practice, inspiring quotes, or in other ways, aromatherapy, crystals, or sound bath, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the beautiful thing about what Unplug provides is the experience to enter in through all of these doorways. So if you want the foundation of mindfulness, you are going to get that through classes such as mine and other teachers, but you'll also have breath work and mantra. And I think that it's a whole package and people deserve to feel good on their journey because of course we know, you know, life doesn't always feel that good. And not that meditation will always make you feel better, but it will certainly tap you into a space of awareness that can hold maybe what isn't feeling so great on that particular day. Mm -hmm. And you started with Unplug and did those couple trainings, but you've really expanded as a teacher. You did the training with was Joseph Goldstein or and Tara Brock? So did you do that? I I did a, a deeper training with Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock, and there were many guest teachers involved in that. I've continued my studies with other teachers one on one. You know, the important thing for me, first and foremost, is that I'm a student of this practice, and I almost am hesitant to call myself a teacher, although I think that. That we need these labels in order to to function and, and also feel safe with each other and holding space. But I will always first and foremost be a student. So the moment that you invited me into unplug, but also the moment that students started coming to me and asking for more of the meditative practices, that was the catalyst I needed as a meditation student to receive more training and receive more mentorship. And I think for everybody who might be listening, doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or a meditation teacher, we should always be pursuing the next wave of our studentship. And, and I think that that's what gives us integrity and also accountability. And that's a place where we're able to then awaken to our own blind spots. And, and that's also, of course, an important part of, of the evolution. We need somebody outside of us who can sometimes mirror back to us the places within our own practice or our lives that maybe we're not seeing so clearly. Because of course, you know, the word mindfulness at its root means to see things clearly. Mm -hmm. And I have to say too, I've never really thought about this until this moment. Um, and I don't know if I thanked you, but the reason that the Unplug app even exists is actually because of you. 
There was a student who went to your class. His name was Yaron. I don't know if you remember him, but Yaron was a producer for ESPN. And he did not want to leave Los Angeles, which he had to leave all the time because he was going to miss taking class with you. So he asked me if I would record some of your classes live. He actually told me he thought I should be live streaming and also for the unplug app, which didn't exist at the time and even offered to make that happen. So I had no idea how to do any of that. So we actually spoke with Olivia Rosewood at the time, who also I'm thinking about because she also says she never wants to be referred to as a teacher. She only wants to be referred to as a guide. Um, we took her videographer named Brendan and him as the producer. And the first meditations on the Unplug app were because he needed specific things from you and we filmed you. The next thing you know, we have this like, I mean, this app is like the bottomless money pit. It's like a boat, but worse. Um, <laughs> of, of this app that has become just the most incredible thing. And the thing about you, Lauren, also, besides the fact that you launched the Unplug Meditation app, is that we had these people say that they needed a program for students who were gonna be taking the SATs and the ACTs at the time. Did I have a teacher who I knew who could do that? And I was like, yes, Lauren, I called you, you worked on it and you filmed 22, I think, meditation videos in one day. So the reason why, and this is a whole nother thing, Lauren is not only so articulate, smart, writes her own scripts and is incredible. And I don't, I know you're very humble, so you hate hearing all this stuff, but I'm the, I'm the podcast host, so I get to say whatever I want, but you were an actor. So being able to feel comfortable in front of a camera, I think has really helped you become this incredible teacher, not only in front of live audiences, but also on Zoom, you launched your own new yoga platform and meditation interdimension television. And talk a little bit about how you went from being an actor to doing yoga meditation and ultimately launching your own thing. Well, thank you so much for, for all of that. And I think first and foremost, there are a couple of things that come to mind. One is that you have always been so helpful in facilitating that content. You know, as a teacher, being in the trenches, sometimes you need somebody who has that 10,000 foot perspective. And that's something that you have always provided. So there's this umbrella under which then we can function and create this content. So none of those series that are on the Unplug app would be possible without that 10,000 foot perspective. So thank you for that. And it makes me think about what the Unplug app has become starting first with the studio, but then really transitioning into the app and then being available on places like Beachbody is what I told you from the beginning, which is that the community would be key. And that is really the heart and soul of all of these practices. Now, whether we're doing them virtually or digitally, whether we're doing them in person, 
we're in this together. We can't practice in a silo. We can't deepen our practice in a silo. We have to be together and we need each other. And that's really what the studio first and foremost provided. And then it became this launching pad for an even more global audience. And those people were already coming to the studio, but now on the app, you know, we're really a global community who are working both internally to awaken to our highest potential and then externally taking those practices out into the world. So just to say that, you know, the community has always been the most important piece of Unplug. And for myself, I started as a child actor. I, I grew up in Los Angeles. And what I loved was getting to take people on a journey it was important to me to always take care of people. And the process of storytelling allowed me to transform myself, to transport myself to another place, but allowed me to do that for people as well, to take them away from whatever was ailing them in their lives. My, my father was always depressed and sad and being able to be a storyteller allowed me to take him out of that. And so really the older I got, the less fulfilling it became for me to have to pretend to be somebody else, to take people on that journey. It wasn't a place where I felt fulfilled any longer. I had fallen in love with the practices of, of yoga, but even before that, as an adolescent, I had found meditation when I was about 12 years old, maybe a little bit younger, my best friend's mother had passed away from breast cancer and she had come to me in a dream and it was really vivid and powerful. And my dad, of all people, I didn't grow up with any religion, spirituality, but he brought me this book called Talking to Heaven, and it was by a man who was a medium named James Van Prague, who some people might know, but now I'm really dating myself. And I read this book and I didn't know it at the time, but what he was introducing me to were the chakras, the energy centers and meditation. And I would be sitting in my room and meditating, lighting candles as an adolescent. But of course, as most people will go through, the older I got, the further I got away from that essence of myself, that true knowing, the more interesting other things became to the point where when I was in my early 20s, I knew I wasn't satisfied on the path I was taking. I knew I didn't want to be an actor. I knew I didn't want to be doing what I was doing. I was crippled with anxiety and started to become agoraphobic. I was having a hard time leaving the house because I didn't know when I was going to have an anxiety attack, if I was going to faint or vomit or both. So I started going to yoga and got into my body, which to be perfectly honest, I was really removed from. I had, you know, functioned a lot at the level of the head, but was not integrated into my body. And by getting into a moving meditation, I got to move some of those things through me. I came face to face with my own negative self-talk. I was able to rectify some of the places where I was holding myself back and ultimately decided to do a, a yoga teacher training only because I loved the practice and it had saved my life and changed my life. And I wanted to learn more about it. 
And during that training, I taught my first class and I'll never forget getting to the end of that class. And I fell to the floor and I get teary now thinking about it, sobbing, crying, and everyone in the teacher training dog piled on top of me crying. And I knew that this was going to be in my life for the rest of my life because it brought together all of the things that I loved. I was able to take people on a journey, but without putting a Band-Aid over it. It wasn't temporary. It was something that was going to be longer lasting. And so slowly I started teaching. At the time I was working in the fashion industry. I was a fashion executive. I was working 60 to 70 hours a week. So I started by teaching one class a week, then two classes a week. And then eventually I, I made the transition. And now it's what I do with the whole of my life. And I just, I feel so grateful and so blessed to be able to call this my life's work. And anytime I have to say the word work, it just doesn't, it doesn't do it justice because really it's, it's selfish. I get so much out of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, there's so many nuggets of just genius in what you said that I really want to make sure that after this is over, you listen to this and write a book. Cause I know you've written a book but you haven't really written a book about your story. And I just find it so fascinating that someone with crippling anxiety who is living in their head, never in their body, has transitioned to a place where you are, you know, look, there are teachers who are out there who aren't practicing and you feel it, but you are the embodiment. And actually that's your mission in life to walk the walk and talk the talk. And you really believe strongly in that. And I know you taught, you taught me that, that I can't do this and not do this. I can't run a meditation studio and not meditate. I can't share meditation with the world and not actually be practicing it inside of myself. And that if ever there's a moment where your integrity is put to the test, which by the way, happens on a daily basis, where I live, um, to actually check in with yourself and remember to really check your integrity. And I have to say, you have such integrity. Um, I've always felt that about you. Well, thank so you. It's absolutely my my leading core value. It's my my um, guidepost. It tells me when I'm off track and. I think, you know, what also comes to mind for me as you're saying some of these things is that my story is like a lot of people's stories. And it took me a long time to value that story because I'm married to someone who has an extreme story. You know, he had multiple near-death experiences. He was in the tsunami in Thailand. He almost drowned. I mean, there are so many extreme things that happened to him to put him clearly on his path. And after a decade of sitting side by side and telling these two stories, what I came to the realization of is that some people have that extreme path, but mine is much more common in that there are so many of us who feel like we're slowly dying from carbon monoxide poisoning in our lives. Okay, good. <laughs> So you were talking, if you could just pick up on, you are a lot like other people that the Travis 
what had an extreme situation and you the slowly dying from carbon monoxide. It took me a long time to value my story. You know, being married to someone who has an extreme story, he had several near-death experiences. He was at, there in Thailand when the tsunami hit, he saw it coming, he had a near drowning experience. So sitting side by side with someone who had an extreme story that got him on the path and mine seemed so ordinary that eventually I came to the realization that my story is actually a lot more like most people's in that I think a lot of people come to this point in their lives and maybe they come to it at several times in their lives where they realize they're not fulfilled. They're not living their purpose. Something's out of alignment. And what I came to understand was that I felt like I was slowly dying from carbon monoxide poisoning. It was like something silent and unseen in the air. And it took the universe sort of like, you know, the Joseph Campbell story of really kicking me down, down, down until I got the message and made some important and serious changes in my life. Mm -hmm. And what was that? Was that like, just the choice to do a yoga teacher training or at what point, like how old were you when that happened that you realized like, I need to change? I think the anxiety was a big kicker for me because I was a freshman, sophomore in college and all of a sudden was crippled with this anxiety. And my father was someone who had had anxiety his entire life and he'd been medicated for it. And I called my mom and said, you know, this is happening. And I believe I want to just say this for everybody out there. There is a space for medication. There is a time when people need it. It is there for a reason. I advocate for it. But what I knew for myself in that moment was that if I took a medication, I was going to be initially silencing a symptom of something much bigger. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I want to figure this out before I go see a doctor. That would be my last step. And so that pushed me to go to yoga. I wasn't an athlete. Balls hit me in the face. I was a bookworm. I, my dad, even till the day he died, would hold up my, my yoga book and was like, I can't believe that this is you. I mean, it was so far outside of my wheelhouse. I didn't like to be physically uncomfortable. I was okay being mentally uncomfortable, but physically uncomfortable was, was not okay for me. And so I think the anxiety was really the, fir the first push of the universe. And then from there, it started to be other little things where things that should have been successful for me, say in my career or things that should have been going well at the time weren't. And they were ways of, I think the universe really showing me, Hey, you're not on the right path. You're not happy on this path actually. And we're not going to let this be fulfilling because you're supposed to go in this direction. And all of these doors just started opening and all of these opportunities started coming my way. And I think what's important for other people to be reminded of, because I know I've needed to be reminded of this so many times in my life, is that sometimes we have to let go of something, which is the scariest thing in the world, whether it's a relationship. For me, it was an incredibly paying 
successful, you know, from the outside, our culture would say, this is a great job. And I let it go. And I let it go. I let go of all the income. I let go of all the benefits. And then I was the happiest I had ever been in my entire life, which was mind blowing. So I think, you know, sometimes we have to say no to things and we have to let things go in order for those doors to open and for the universe to really show up and support us the way that it's actually trying to conspire to support us. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes people want to rush and they want to make things happen. And they're like, I should be here, but I'm only here. I should be this, or I should be that. And the truth is, is there is a quote and of course, I'm going to butcher it, but I'm going to try and not even make it a quote, but just get to the point of what it actually meant. And that is that some people say she's such an overnight excess and it looks so easy. But the truth is that sometimes it takes people 10 years, 20 years to become an overnight success and they still don't feel successful. So things and some people get all the success in the world in five minutes and they are miserable. So yeah, I and just think that it's slowly, slowly just going along the path that might seem like it's moving too slowly sometimes. And just all of a sudden you look around, you're like, how did this happen? Even though it was slow, is a better strategy than making things happen too quickly. There's a lot to be said. And I find this mostly with people who are facing quarter life crises, you know, the early sort of like twenties crises, maybe more so than, than a midlife crisis. I haven't crossed that threshold myself yet. Um, but what I know is that the, the hardest time of any of these journeys is in that moment when you know that you're lost, you feel that you're lost, but you don't know what's next. And I think that that's the scariest time for people. And you have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other, you know, keep pursuing the things that you're interested in, keep staying down that path. Like you were saying, I think about that with Sarah Blakely, who built Spanx. She talks about this all the time, sitting down at the dinner table, her father would ask every single night, what did you fail at today? And I think that that's an important question for us. Like every mistake we make, every moment that we feel like we're lost is actually a moment of incredible opportunity. And what we have to dig deep for, and really this is why we practice, is trust. You know, if we can just trust the unfolding of life, if we can just trust that we're going to be held and taken care of, even if a pandemic takes place, even if our job gets taken away, if we can dig in and find that deep sense of trust in life, in the rhythms of life, which of course, you know, now we're so far removed from, but there's always rhythms. There's the seasons and the cycles of the moon, whatever you have your own rhythms. If we can trust that we're going to get to the end of whatever our story is and look back and just be so proud. Mm. You're right. That's true. It's good to look back sometimes. <laughs> and sometimes like, what am I doing? I'm still not there. Um, you know, I guess everybody has their own story and their own journey of where they want to be, right? I think too often in this culture, and I, I can say this only because this is true for myself, I accomplish one thing, I accomplish a goal, and right away I'm on to the next. 
right away, I'm like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next project? What's the next program? What's the next retreat? And too often, I don't stop to look back and celebrate the accomplishment that's happened. And so I think that there is something for all of us to take. And I do this usually at the start of the new year, but it's important middle of the year or every season or every quarter, just to take a moment and look back and acknowledge yourself. Mm -hmm. I think we, we don't acknowledge ourselves enough for even the smallest wins. I would love to find out a little bit too, because, you know, we are in a pandemic right now. We're still in it as much as we'd like it to be over, it's actually still not even over. And you went from teaching so many live classes at Unplug, teaching so many live classes at Yoga Collective, traveling the world with Travis, doing all of these retreats in different countries all the time, mm-hmm. to having a baby, during the pandemic, settling down. How has that transition been for you? Like, how have you, like, how did that impact? Like, how are you, could you see yourself going back to that world travel lifestyle now, back to live classes? Or are you now just like so embedded into um, the programs that you're doing now on your platform? Um, Yeah, I'd like to kind of hear about that. It's, yeah, it's, it's an interesting journey. So for people who don't know, I had a baby January 28th of 2020, and it was exactly six weeks before the pandemic happened. So traditionally, six weeks after you have your baby, you get the go ahead to go back out into the world. And so I was so excited. I was going to go to yoga. I was going to go do all these things and the world shut down. So I had been in this bubble with my, my daughter, which was beautiful and wonderful. But the truth is I was, I was ready to maybe just have 45 minutes to go to a yoga class or pop down the street to unplug and take a class. And that was all quote unquote, taken away, but it was the greatest gift I've ever received because we were originally supposed to get on an airplane on her three month birthday and fly across the world and host a retreat in Europe. So thank God the universe conspired to help me settle into this new role. And like I was saying before, not jump into what's next. So I really got to take this time and it's an incredible privilege to have the financial resources and the support system to have been able to have done that. So I just, it feels important to me to acknowledge that, but to have taken that time to settle in with her. Now, as we make this transition to things maybe reopening, acknowledging what I'm feeling and I think acknowledging what a lot of people are feeling, which is a little bit of trepidation. You know, we've gotten really comfortable in this isolated little bubble in a very set routine. Mm -hmm. And for anybody who's had children, you know, routine is the one thing that gives me some sense of control and safety, which of course is always um, in flux anyway, and never really true. It's always changing. But to now think about we're getting ready to travel again. We're getting ready to make, I think, four or five trips between now and the end of the year. And if I wasn't totally, I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous about it. And, and I love 
that this is what my practice gives me, the ability to hold both. I think practice gives us the ability to hold paradox in our lives. I'm thrilled. I can't wait to see people. I can't wait to be on an airplane. I can't wait to teach a live class. And I'm a little freaked out about going back to that. And I can hold both at the same time. But it's been hard if, if I'm honest about, you know, I went from teaching anywhere from eight to 15 classes a week to teaching zero and that's been hard. It's been a whole coming into motherhood is a shift of identity to begin with, but mm -hmm. I had to come out of postpartum with a new identity in the midst of a pandemic when my identity as I knew it entirely was completely shifted and changed. Wow. So it's been its own, it's been its own journey and being patient with myself and compassionate with myself. And again, going back to what I was saying before, really digging in deep within myself and trusting, having so much trust that what's happening right now for me in my life is happening for a reason. I'm going to get back to teaching in whatever form that looks like when the time is right and really making sure that, that I am steeped in my practices so that when I feel a little bit anxious or uncertain, I can come back to that part of me that, that really knows, that part of me that knows it's all okay, I'm being held, I'm being guided, and um, really relaxing into this time with, with, a, with my daughter, who's just an incredible ray of sunshine and light. I can't wait to meet her. My mother and I coined the phrase folktoe. Folktoe is fear of going to the office. <laughs> I, I'm at the office right now. I love coming to the office. I've been loving coming to the office. This has saved me. Um, being able to come here, mask on, mask on as I walk in. Um, but I realize like a lot of people are afraid of coming back. They're afraid of leaving their cat. They're leaving their dogs. They're leaving their kids. They're leaving their, you know, television set where they can do beach body on demand in the morning and, you know, have their cappuccino. Like even my son who goes to school, didn't really want to go back to school because he can't drink coffee when he's at school and he can't wear, he has to wear a mask all day long. People don't want that. It's just, it's a hard barrier to break. But once you do break that barrier, which I have, because we've been filming here and we're in the studio and the studio feels so good. It feels fantastic to see people, to be with people and to get back into it. So Lauren Ekstrom, can you please come back to Unplug? <laughs> Let's talk about what this podcast is really about. We want Lauren to come back to the studio, but um, the truth is, is that when I went to New York, when I was working in fashion and I left my kids in Los Angeles with my husband and new babysitter, I had a panic attack. It was very hard. It was very uncomfortable. I freaked. And my mother-in-law taught me a three-minute exercise to help me calm down. And that actually is the birth of unplugged meditation. So I had no idea. I love that. <laughs> that was exactly how it happened. I was freaked out because I felt very uncomfortable leaving my kids where there's no family here in LA. 
except for my husband who was working and we hired someone and I, I knew her, but not that well. And I just didn't feel comfortable at all. And I felt bad. And thank goodness I found meditation because it actually helped me feel calm in the chaos. It changed everything for me. I could never go back to what I was, which was also in the fashion industry like you. And this has been an evolution of just privilege, privilege of being able to meditate with you, Lauren, every day. Um, I just, I love all your meditations on the app. I love you live in studio. I just love you and you know that. But I'm so glad that the Unplug audience has gotten a chance to get to really know you, know the person behind the voice, because you have so much to offer. You're just about to blow up even more, which happens every year for you. And I see it. And for those of you who have never meditated with um, Lauren Ekstrom on the Unplug app, please try her priming yourself for an amazing day and all of her incredible meditations. And also check out her yoga classes because they're amazing on interdimension television with her husband, Travis Elliott, who's a fantastic teacher too. And you have some other great teachers on there as well. So thank you, Lauren, so much um, for taking the time to talk to all of us. And I'm so excited to help everyone get to know you a little bit more. Well, thank you so much. And Susie, I'm just eternally, eternally grateful for your unending guidance, support, mentorship, your unending faith and enthusiasm and your willingness to take risks and to do new things and to go out there and go big. It's a lesson that I hope people who witness you and all of the teachers at Unplug learn from because like you're pointing to so many times in this conversation, our greatest growth comes from doing the things that actually make us uncomfortable. It's the next phase of our transformation and our evolution. And you have certainly been that for me on my path and in my life. So thank you. Thank you.